0: Hey, this is Adam Cruz, owner-broker of the Herman London Real Estate Group and host of the St. Louis Realtor Podcast.
1: And this is Shannon St. Pierre, a Realtor at Herman London and co-host of the St. Louis Realtor Podcast.
0: Before we begin, we just want to say that we are Realtors, which is different from someone who is simply an agent. The term Realtor identifies a real estate professional who is a member of the National Association of Realtors and subscribes to its strict code of ethics.
1: And even though it's called the St. Louis Realtor Podcast, this show is for everyone who's interested in real estate. Buyers, sellers, realtors, HGTV watchers, everyone.
0: So if this specific episode isn't exactly what you're looking for, go through our past episodes and I guarantee you'll find a topic that interests you.
1: And if there's a topic you want us to cover, email us at podcast at hermanlondon.com. That's Herman, H-E-R-M-A-N-N, london.com. And we'll talk about it on an upcoming episode.
0: Thanks for listening and enjoy.
1: From the rooftop
2: of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood, it's the St. Louis Realtor
0: Podcast with Adam Cruz and Shannon St. Pierre. Welcome everybody to the St. Louis Realtor Podcast live from the home offices and the office of the Herman London Real Estate Group. I'm your co-host, Adam Cruz, and with you today is my other co-host, Shannon St. Pierre, Realtor extraordinaire. Hello, hello. And we are super excited today because we're going to talk about house hacking and who better to interview than Alicia Sierra, realtor extraordinaire, stand-up agent, Twitter influencer, (laughs) house hacking expert, Alicia Sierra. Thank you for being here with us today, Alicia.
2: Well, thank you for having me, Adam and
0: Shannon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love this subject. This is probably one of my favorite subjects.
0: It's it's so interesting, but Alicia, if you don't mind, start us off by just telling us what is house hacking.
2: Well, house hacking—I'd really love to know who came up with this term. Um, It's a term, but it's basically uh, when an owner-occupant takes a property, uh, buys a property, and lives uh, lives in it, obviously as an occupant, and hacks it up to rent to other paying tenants whether it be a single family and they rent the rooms, um, or up to a four unit um, where they rent uh, other apartments, at least initially, if they're gonna use a traditional residential loan, but we'll get into that. So it's an excellent way to start um, as, as opposed to just buying a house, which would be uh, for most of us a liability. When you hack a house, it becomes an asset uh, that either should should at the very least greatly subsidize, if not cover your not. Um, in an ideal world, uh, a house hacker would actually cash flow.
0: Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that it can be a single family house with roommates, or you're saying, or it can be a multifamily where you're just renting out the other units. Mm-hmm. And the main goal is to cover your mortgage interest and taxes, and then.
2: And hopefully maintenance
0: too. And maintenance too.
2: Yeah. But the ultimate house hack is to actually put money in your pocket after expenses.
0: So you're getting paid to live.
2: So you're getting paid to live. I love that. So there's, uh, you know, there, that is a very simple concept in and of itself. But um, after having uh, represented a, 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 a number of house hack buyers, um and sold a, a lot of investment property i think that i think there's a next level way of doing house house hackery if you will
1: mm. hackery oh yeah i think, yes. I think, I think, that's think a word, but i was, like it hackery
2: hackery as opposed to you know watery <laughs> i think house, house hackery because um if When when I talk to prospective clients, I've started taking this, whether, whether, you know, they're out of state client, obviously, they're not going to live in the property, or a house hacker, I've started to get into a conversation about a big picture plan. So yes, you have a short term plan. But what you do big picture uh, gets a, either a better start, or not as an ideal start, if you've already thought a little bit ahead. Okay. In terms of the strategy of where you're going with things, so okay, so if we start at the beginning, and ideally a first time home buyer will be a house hacker. So the first time you buy a house, when you're a house buying virgin, if you will, <laughs> all of, there's a lot of grant programs, as you guys know, money's to be had that you will never have a crack at again as a first time buyer. I learned, and uh, uh, a lot of people have the misconception that those progr- special programs or, or money, uh, actual physical you know, granted money um, are only uh, income driven, but there are a lot of programs and opportunities that are available to any first time home buyer, right? So okay. I, I think uh, for a house hacker to both purchase for a house hack and take advantage of a first time buyer uh, loan program and or money grant program is th- that's just even next level. If if they can line up all of those things to, to work at once.
1: I think that that's a great idea. I don't know that I've had any clients uh, combine them. I, you know, I've had clients buy like a duplex to live in half of it. Rent out the other half. I've had clients use the first time homebuyer state programs, or there's several different, kind of programs out there, but I don't know that I've ever had anyone combine them. I think that that's actually a really uh, super smart way of doing some things. But like you said, back to your hackery,
2: yeah, it, <laughs> hackery. It,
1: it's also gotta be a long-term plan. You've gotta kind of think through that because those loan programs, you have to be in that house for a minimum of five years. Otherwise, isn't Some of them, yeah. Okay. Some of them
2: you do. And that might not be the best way to go. Yeah, some of them, or they only forgive 20%.
1: Year. per so year, every yeah. year so every year you might be okay granted, with it not. yes right. it's granted correct so you might
2: be okay with paying back a portion of it
1: and right it more. but i think uh, also five years goes by so fast i think some people think oh my gosh five years i have to stay here i'm like that's a blink of an eye trust me
2: <laughs> well it might not um it, it might not be the best thing to not buy another house hack within the five years but there's also first time home programs homebuyer programs for example um have any of your clients used a credit union 100 percent financing yes so that you know now the credit union may not uh let you use it on a two or four unit you might have to only use it uh, on a on a house
1: a single uh, family
2: but um you could find a single family that's better suited for a roommate situation for example it might have a finished walkout basement And it may have a floor plan where there's an allowance for more privacy. So uh, that's great for a young house hacker. It's ideal. I'm so
0: glad that we're talking about this today. Uh, I was just going to say real quick, I'm really glad that we're talking about this today because I'm, I'm surprised. I still talk to people. I was talking to someone yesterday who still thinks that you have to put down 20, I have to put down 20% to buy a property, you know, So there's a lot of kind of uh, misinformation out there. There's a lot of
2: misinformation. I get a lot of interaction on Twitter when I talk about the financing because um, I'm constantly amazed at if they should have a home buying course in high school, you know, and how little people know about buying a home in general, but they they know even less about mortgages uh, and what tools are out there and about credit. So... You know, I'm starting with my 18 year old now, uh, um, building credit so that when he leaves college, he will have any number of choices because of credit, credit depth will, will have been established. But I mean, that's a whole nother podcast, but it's all you know part of the house hackery strategy. So um, the main things, I think the main starting points at the beginning of the conversation are what financial tools are available to to you, the buyer. When, if you're going to start, you know, house hacking, so the best program may be a 100% financing program, but it may limit you. Might tie your hands. Whereas FHA loan program um, might have a lower interest rate, mortgage insurance, but you can buy up to a four-unit building. I've had a house hacker who um, uh, uh, who bought a single family, and in her case, she had two roommates already lined up. Like she, she already had how much they were going to pay and who they were. And they were personal friends. And this was a person who was like in their first year as a professional. So it was kind of, it was ideal. You know, they, she didn't want strangers. She didn't want to share apartment. You know, she wanted to find a house that would work with the two people that she already knew. It's a great way to go. And she knew, um, you know, the likelihood that they'll live with her a couple of years, at least, because they're all just starting they're you know, they're all very early twenties. And she used, a 100% financing program with a local bank so it was like win-win-win um, so I think that uh, there's a lot of cart before the horse horse before the cart you know kind of uh, tension there like going into it really knowing uh, what your not only what the financing tool you have at your disposal is what it may or may not limit you um, as far as you know if you could buy one two or four units but also what your living situation tolerance is going to be. That's something to keep in mind, um, like as a landlord. So recently, I just closed, like a month ago, um, someone owner buying a four unit, and you know, I suggested that maybe because he's going to have to give notice, uh, which is something else we'll talk about. You know, you have so many days to move into the property as a four unit. So they're on month to month, he's going to have to give notice. So I suggested maybe you want to distance yourself and not have everybody know that you're the big bad landlord, kicking people out, (laughs) raising rents and that kind of thing. So I think it's it's best to think about all of these issues ahead of time, up front, before you invest a lot of time and money and effort, you know, as opposed to finding the perfect board family and then start thinking, oh, I think I'm a little uncomfortable with this landlord thing or i'm going to feel bad or am i able to enforce rules or am i a softy you know all of that has to be considered before the first purchase
0: yeah so let me ask you a question there was um a situation i found myself in when i bought my first house and i think other people probably find themselves in this situation or have to consider this so i'd like to get your perspective i bought my first house um and I had friends move in as, you know, they were my tenants. We were roommates, whatever. But the kind of the assumption that some people seem to have is that they, you know, they should have paid. There was two of them and one of me. And I think the assumption was they were supposed to pay a third of whatever my mortgage was as their rent versus.
2: Yeah. see, Versus us
0: close. coming up with like market rate for their rent. Or and even pay that a you know? low market, it still might be more than the 30-year
2: mortgage.
0: Yeah. And so I was thinking like, it's not fair for you just to pay a third of my mortgage necessarily, because if I put down 20%, my mortgage would be less. What does that have to do with you? You know? So how do you kind of coach people through the idea of charging like a market rate for that room versus, you know, you're my friend, you should just pay a third of my mortgage.
2: I don't know if it's my role to coach them as so much as to raise the issues that they should address. Uh Before they enter into the situation um, that, you know, that they've established especially if you're going to own or occupy a house, because you probably aren't going to want to lease that room to a stranger. Right. Um, But your friends don't need to
0: know what your mortgage payment is necessarily, I'm guessing, right?
2: No, they just have to agree to whatever they're going to pay monthly. Uh I, I think that has to just be agreed upon. Um, and
1: I think, But I think where our role could come in is telling them what market rate is for renting yeah. a room. So I think that that's, it's not necessarily coaching. It's not necessarily it's no, telling them. Information. There's no rule of thumb, but here's right. market rate and go from there. It's I did the same is. thing as you, Adam. I had a friend, I bought my first house, had a friend move in. Um, and it was the same. It is interesting because it's the exact same philosophy. It was like, Oh, I should be paying, the X amount of the mortgage, and I was like, it, I was naive. I was twenty-five. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And I look back and I'm like, are oh they going to oh pay X God.
2: amount of repairs? Please. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like it's if the air conditioner free. broke, were they were you you know putting that bill on the countertop with a little divided by two on it, you know?
2: Right. Yeah. So that's that is the thing. So whatever it is, yeah. you, you it should be established and it should be clear and in writing. Just because it's your friend doesn't mean that you don't need a lease agreement because um, you know lord knows if marriages can go south roommate situations can go
1: south and they often do I mean I actually I'm so grateful we're still friends to this day and even after you know what I mean so because I think there is a time limit even when you buy your own house and I think that, that goes into your point Alicia is your time frame and thinking ahead is that sometimes and what I find is that people go uh, I've even had people do the house hacking and they go I'm ready for my own space so, you know, like thinking out, like what happens thinking now?
2: Out, right? Because if you get an FHA loan, you have to live there a year. So,
1: minimum, but it's yeah. I've never had anyone like come to be in a year, but no. Had- but
2: I mean, you, but, there's got to be yeah. some amount of time that you're that you're living there. I mean, I, I, if if it's not a year, it should probably be at least somewhere close. I mean, you can't move the next month. And, I wouldn't
1: advise that anyway. If you're planning on moving, I would say, let's right. talk about something else, a different but, plan. Um,
2: <laughs> in terms of the financing, um, you know, I always, uh, if if someone's looking to buy a house hack uh, as because they're wanting to become an investor, um, and it is the best entree into it, I call them my time machine talks because, like, if I could go back and talk to, <laughs> for me, this is what I would tell me. And this is what I'm going to tell my my kids you know so um if, if you know because uh, i didn't know the first place i bought i had no idea i didn't I, they asked me for a piece of paper i gave it to them i didn't really understand and i didn't have a realtor who really explained that to me um if you know what the financing is in a in a big picture then you can be super strategic for example um if you know that you are as an individual you can only get 10 total Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac loans, and these loans have the best terms uh, as an owner-occupant, more so than a than an investor. And then you can put a trajectory down. I mean, maybe you have like a ten-year goal for you would like your cash flow to be in ten years, um, and then do, I mean, life happens and stuff. So all we can do is is plan it based on what we know now. But you can plant out a trajectory that really fast tracks cash flowing in a way that doesn't happen when you're not house hacking. Uh, for example, um you can only have one FHA loan at a time. so you, unless you plan on selling the first place that you use FHA with to have the small down payment, you're not going to be able to use that small down payment loan again. However, it doesn't mean that you know maybe you can't use um, a construction loan that would convert and put yourself in a position to refi the second one at least recoup your cash back. You can plan on banking all the cash flow from the first four unit you bought to help save for your down payment um, on the, on the second one. So the second one you have to use a Freddie Mac pro, uh, uh, product for example, you might be if you if your credit qualifies you might be able to do as little as 5% down or 10% down. So it's back to what you were saying, Adam, there's a myth that you need 20% and it doesn't even mean you need 20% on the second one. Um, right. So it, I think that there's a lot of um, analysis and some math and planning involved, but it's really powerful if somebody, you know, can also uh, get a good enough deal on the first one to refinance out so that they can use an FHA product and perhaps they could use a 203k loan somewhere along the process um, and, you know and, and be building equity and cash flow as they use this so if if someone's young and they have strong credit and they're you know they they're in a good lending position and they have got um, the tolerance for moving a number of times every year or two years you know, through most of their 20s, for example, it can really, really put you in a position of, of wealth building and, and no other way. Um, you know, I, I just can't imagine. I mean, it, it's it's really an amazing move, but it can get really screwed up if you don't really understand, I think, the, the financial tools um, at your disposal. You can kind of uh, limit yourself in a, in a way not unknowingly does that make
1: sense so the beauty of
0: it is that you can move in buy your place with low or no down payment Mm -hmm. you can essentially live for free or as close to free or maybe even make money to live there and then if you if you wanted to then you could move and buy the next one is what you're saying and like keep house hacking and sort of build a portfolio of properties that you own and keep having to being able to put down these small down payments because you're gonna move into it.
2: Right, right. You could even, you can finagle it with a number of, of, well, at least, I mean, small being zero to uh, you know 10% should be very, very doable. And if you put yourself um, in a position where at least you have a chance at having an equity position in the not too distant future, you can refinance out and get that mortgage insurance taken off because um, you, you're always going to have that expense as you know, when you put less than 20% down.
0: So what would you say is some of the um, like, what what is holding people back from doing this? You, you know, you talk to people and they, do they not want to have roommates? Do they not understand it? They just, or do they not like to think about their their home like a, like an investment or what's kind of holding people back from doing this in your experience? I
2: don't know if they're held back so much as I, I think it's just, there's just two kinds of people, you know, there's people who, you know, and I, I, write about this a lot, just generally speaking, buying a house in general doesn't make sense for everyone. You know, some people want more flexibility. They want, they want to be un- untethered, you know, they want to, they just, wanna, they just it, they just are repelled by the concept of the responsibility <laughs> well really the only reason to 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 buy in general if you're not gonna as a liability is because you simply cannot rent the space that you want you don't even necessarily need it you just you just want the space and location of the the house that you want is not affordable as a rental on the open market that, you know, so you're going to buy. So there's a lot of people who just cannot, they're not going to conceive Like you said, they're, they're not going to conceive of real estate where they live, having anything to do with property management. like that, I think that's one of the reasons that we have so many um, so much demand for turnkey properties now, mm-hmm. because those buyers, don't, or, or don't want maintenance. And also, and I, I think you probably agree. We, we have buyers that are buying a lot less house than they could actually afford on paper. Right. Um, I don't, I don't see people nearly maxing out, um, That's smart. Their, pre, their pre-approvals, um, because they, you know, I think it's that generation that lived through the crash uh, as kids and saw the stress on their parents. They saw the burden that the house became, um and and so they just don't want you know they don't want that but some of them react by just buying a small minimalist turnkey house and then other people's reaction to that I think is if I'm buying property I want it to be generating income for me
0: right
2: you know um so you know and then the third thing is just to reject the concept of owning property altogether <laughs> just you're the you're the guy the house hacker is is leasing to you know you're that girl or that guy
0: yeah. I can understand both perspectives uh, because mm-hmm. for there was like a six month period where i did i rented an apartment you know it just made sense for me at the time and i rem- i will never forget in the dining room there was like these huge cracks in the ceiling, mm-hmm. and the place was obviously settling or something like that mm-hmm. and the feeling of not having to care about that yeah. you know not, <laughs> yeah, you not, my, problem. The, not my problem my problem. It was exactly. so interesting, you know, because if that was my house, I'd be looking at it. I'd be calling a professional. I'd be worried yeah. about it. I'd be thinking about the solution. But since I was a renter, I was just like, who cares? Not my problem, you know? Yeah, I
2: know.
0: Um, but yeah, obviously, I, mean, I, nice I understand. If
2: you have a good landlord, uh, you know, There's, it's not always the best financial decision. I think that's a myth. You know, it's not always right. the right thing for you at the right time. It makes sense. but. Right. If somebody really looks at real estate as a, a cash flow and a wealth building tool, um, I think that doing a, being a serial house hacker is definitely the smartest, you know absolutely the smartest move. But you can't you can't um, be unrealistic in your pro forma. That's probably gonna be one of the, the I think the biggest mistakes that are made. And um I think it also what do you mean by that? I think over optimistically projecting uh, what the cash flow is going to be, I think oh. and not being conservative enough. Um even when I present um cash flow properties to clients, I probably have one of the more conservative um uh ana- cash flow analysis spreadsheets because you know you you have to play it out to a worst case scenario. Uh-huh. And if it if it plays out some somewhere in the middle, it's probably where it's going to play out. Um, if it plays out the best case, great. Um, but it could it can definitely just like home regular home ownership, it can turn into um, a burden if you don't have comfortable reserves and you're not you mitigate your risk, but you are realistic about risk being part um, of it. You know, I I'm mean, proud to
0: hear you say that you do take, especially when you're helping clients, you take that kind of a conservative approaches on your spreadsheets and your formulas and stuff like that, because that's, you know, that's exactly what I, I, think, I think is the best thing to do, too, and the best approach for your clients. To take yeah,
2: so. because I mean, I can't, you know, I'm not, I'm responsible for the information I present. I'm not responsible for the outcome, because I don't have control over the ultimate outcome.
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: you, you know, you just you just have to play it out to the worst case scenario. I mean, I'm seeing it happen now with some of the some of the clients. Um, uh, this little sort of segue into this portion of it. Um, you know, some of the clients with the with the vacation rentals. I mean, I think it will bounce back, but this is definitely forcing a pivot. You know, I guess that,
1: specifically Airbnb and all yeah, short term um,
2: furnished rentals. Yeah, in, yeah. In general. um yeah you know they're definitely having to pivot um and you have to be prepared for that when you know when you go into that so a house hacker for example um a a lot of people will uh walk out basements as vacation rentals you know and it's awesome because you're you know you're gonna get three times the traditional lease with zero of the you know roommate drama (laughs) ongoing roommate drama um and it's easy to self-manage it's easy because you know you're right there but you're not attached to anybody um so that's great but don't count on that you know because that it might not work out and you might have to pivot back and and find uh you know more of a long-term situation um so that you know that's an example um but yeah i mean you, you add all the more reason the house Act when you add the sh- short-term furnished rental into the mix um, you can even, uh, you know, accelerate the whole process and, and increase your your income, but you have to always ask yourself, what if, what what if, uh, what if the house is damaged and I have no income? You know, what if you're renting your basement and your basement? Something happens in your basement, a fire, flooding, whatever, and then your that income is gone. So that's you have to play those things out and that's a big part of it. Um, you know, especially when we're so young.
0: if I was gonna start and I wanted to house hack and I was gonna take the single family approach and have my college buddies move in with me or whatever, do you think that it's important that I buy a house that I could afford without any roommates? Or do you think that yeah. the lenders even let me buy a house that I couldn't afford without the roommates?
2: Well, in, in my experience, the lenders, unless you're, unless you're a seasoned um, investor, they don't count the rental income
0: uh-huh.
2: in, as part of the debt ratio calculation. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know what that is, um, they'll, they'll, they'll take your uh, debt that you service per your credit report and divide it by your gross income, and there's a ratio that you have to meet, but they're not going to take projected rent. Um, unless you've been the landlord for, I think it's at least two years. Um, Even if you're buying an owner occupied multi that has leases in place, they'll review the leases, but they're not going to count the lease income.
0: So that's kind of a safety net that I won't even be able to buy a house that I couldn't afford without my roommates.
2: Exactly. If I'm doing
0: the single family house thing.
2: Right. And they're going to want a certain amount in reserves. And uh, I get that anybody can give the bank what they want to see and then turn around and spend it. But I would definitely recommend keeping at least six months um, of uh, reserves to cover your living expenses um, just in case you have an income interruption. Um, Because, uh, you know, the the rental income should be um, a bonus and it should be in a, a catapult financially, but not something that you have to rely on um yeah mortgage
0: so is there kind of a criteria do you think that it's it's the does it matter like is it best in a three-bedroom house or four-bedroom house if i can the more bedrooms the better or have you found kind of a sweet spot there
2: i don't know I, i think it just depends on um all the factors how much does the house cost what's the condition? Is it turnkey? Are you not spending, mm-hmm. you know, are you not spending any of your available cash? Um, what's the layout? Uh, and I think that a, a house hacker really has to honestly answer all of those questions. You don't, there's no point in setting yourself up for total and utter misery. You know, I mean, if you have a house or a, a excuse me, a job that has you know, bonuses and other opportunities that can earn you money. I don't think necessarily you're dedicating your time to being a property manager. You know, you might be stepping over a dollar to pick up a dime. It's those are questions that you should ask yourself. Like this uh, client that I just sold to, he's in sales. Um he's he's very orderly person and I think he's gonna be able to detach himself, but I ask those questions. I was like, are you sure you're not going to be a softie? Are you sure you're going to be tough? Are you sure it's going to be worth your time? You know, like he's doing everything right. If you're going to self-manage, definitely have an attorney, prepare all the documents and make sure that, you know, don't go to Office Depot and get a lease, <laughs> boilerplate lease. He's doing all of those things right. Um, but some people don't have the emotional stamina uh, to take a slack from somebody who lives where they live, you know, who is their neighbor. Um, so those kinds of things are important. And also the time factor, is that time per hour less than what you could make otherwise in your, whatever your job is, you know, however you earn your living. I think those are questions to ask, but as far as the ideal setup, you know, it's just going to be property to property. Yeah, so it's going to be financial questions also lifestyle questions. Like you're not going to want to keep a roommate if you you don't want to figure out after the fact that it makes you you don't have enough private space to yourself in the in the property that you chose.
0: Well, what do you mean by time? So if I buy a house, I got my two college buddies move in with me, what kind of time do you think I'll be spending that I that I wouldn't be spending, for example, if I was the roommate?
2: Well, like maintenance and and repairs. So that depends on should you really buy a totally turnkey property or, you know, one of my clients bought a house, great price. There's definitely equity and there's definitely projects. Uh-huh. You know? but, I mean, okay. it, it was fine, you know, it was livable, it passed inspections, et cetera, but there's absolutely some cosmetic projects there inside and out. So, um, that's going to cost time and resources, you know? And then
0: you also talked about kind of like the personality and the ability to to sort of be, be tough. tough or whatever. I used yeah. to get in arguments with my roommates about what we were allowed to put down the garbage disposal because I was raised to never put anything down the garbage disposal and they were just throwing stuff down there. Right, and I'm like, your, the house,
2: your, your rules, you got to be able and to so enforce
0: them. We would argue that's about funny, that kind of stuff all the time. Average-
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's where this the the duplex really comes in because I had the same issue. Funny enough, with the garbage disposal, my roommate would take the whole coffee filter and just stuff the whole thing down in there. I'm like, it's not a paper shredder. It's what?
2: Oh, that's a hot mess. No, I know. I
1: was just like, oh my gosh, please don't do that. But. Uh, yeah, but I think that that's where the single family, if people talk about, like, I don't know if I want the roommate or they, they're used to roommates, especially if they're coming out of college, but then they might be.
2: Right. But I've people great. with singles that, uh, do like traveling nurses and short-term furnished rentals in the basement and stuff. Yes. So that there's, I think that setup.
1: level that I think is really attractive, but I also, I think one of the most attractive is the whole duplex is so yeah. you. You have your own space, but you're able to kind of house hack and ideally maybe buy something in a price point where the, the rent covers at least the majority of the rent uh, or yeah. the mortgage.
2: Well, I'll give you an example. Now I got one under contract and it's in the 230s and the upstairs apartment is three beds and the downstairs apartment is uh, two beds. So he's going to rent out the second floor and occupy the first floor.
0: With no roommate,
2: with
1: no roommate, which yeah. I think is awesome. Yeah, right? and like, the
2: upstairs rent in that neighborhood um, should be about sixteen hundred.
1: So really?
2: it should cover at least uh, the PITI. Yeah,
0: and then if he gets a girlfriend or somebody like that to move in, he can charge them rent. And oh then... my
2: god, Adam probably got girlfriends just to save money on the bill.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, um but I do find the one (laughs) the biggest challenge is like when I try to talk to younger individuals or individuals that are buying the first time that they love the idea but where it kind of is trying to rent out they're like I don't even know where to start to rent it out how do you go doing a lease how do you you know and I'm like oh goodness you know like you know an agent can still walk you through that entire process like you had mentioned just a few minutes ago That you know to get an attorney to kind of drop a lease don't go to office depot
0: wow.
1: Not to necessarily get an attorney because I know that that's a huge like Seem a big barrier something a big hurdle for you know Someone that's young trying to just figure all this out. You can um, also use an agent to rent out your um Together, it. Yeah, you can. it, you And can then help. you can self manage from there. Or I do have um, a friend that I think is really interesting. They just rented a house. It's not here in this city, but they rented a house. And right next door is the owner. He lives in the house next door, owns both mm-hmm. of them. And um, he goes, She said specifically that they have a property manager that they deal with. The property manager said uh, that the owner does not want to have any kind of communication with the renter.
0: that's good they find out that he lives next door
1: oh i know but i said that i go but it's right next door how can you not have some kind of i think that's really smart
2: so my my client is not he's gonna hire um a manager
1: yes and even living in in a family family, yeah so i think it's kind of smart takes it it takes out the personal access aspect and if you are yeah. can't really be tough then you know it's a great way to go um it's like a, yeah
2: I, it's a great way to go because i think and i think that with you with if you're going to have people in your actual single family especially i think it's good to talk to an attorney because there's going to be things and issues maybe there that an attorney will think of that a leasing agent isn't going to know so even if you hire a leasing okay. agent i think it's good to talk to an attorney um just about your specific situation, if especially if you're living in in the house, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, we have I, to agree I, with we, with we always get people out, even house guests.
0: <laughs> we always encourage people to talk to an attorney.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that that's a great scenario that you should talk to an attorney because I think that that's a you know your own personal house. You gotta know like, like, like fighting
2: laws, laws and stuff. I mean, there's
1: there are right. You have so, to
2: work like is it, it, unlikely situation. Yes. But again, you should work these things out to worst case crazy scenarios <laughs> because, you know, I, I mean, this is where I'm talking about, like the time machine. It's like you, I've, I've been in some really, you know, not so ideal situations. <laughs> you just uh, can't even, you don't even think about that. I think, especially when we're young, you know, we just don't think about those kinds of problems and issues. Um, okay. and the other thing, the other thing is, oh, it's just a habit building. Again, if you are house hacking and it's a, because you're thinking long-term wealth building through real estate, I think you're developing habits. So I'm like, you should operate now. Like you're going to be operating, you know, that, that's just my, my two cents. They can take or leave, like hire the professional to hire the a, a property management company now, because you're going to move and you're going to get the next one, you know, um, unless you're, you know, you're trying to make self-managing a full-time thing, but that stress point in between, uh, you know, can be more than what people
0: anticipate. Yes. So was, you're saying why have the costly mistakes and then hire the attorney or the property manager? Or the,
2: yeah. You can
0: hire them yeah. up front.
2: Cause you just, you think, Oh, I don't know. Why should I pay them 10% a month or whatever? Well, I, I think you shouldn't pay just any property manager. I think you should, interview property managers, do your due diligence, get very detailed about what that service includes, what the extra costs are, et cetera. But, you know, really do a good self-assessment because if you're, you know, a grown professional person developing your career at the same time, this can really hold you back in ways that you don't even anticipate, you know?
1: Not a well, mental stress in of itself. Mental and hours the hours so never mind the hours yeah the- yeah so. you just so- everything
2: you don't really figure these things out i think until you're you know not to get too uh you know philosophical about it or whatever but you don't really figure these things out until you're let's just say older <laughs> like let's not talk numbers when it comes to
1: age experience <laughs> but- Yeah,
2: I mean, because, you know, your life progresses before you know it, you have, you know, whatever it might be, a pet, a significant other, a child, whatever, and now you're backtracking, and I just think it's better to set it up for the life you're building, rather than the life you have, because it can also impede that, because everything just takes a minute, you know? But right. I do think everything, Rick, it's a lot of minutes and they add up pretty fast.
1: And yeah. And I do, I do tell people, It's like, I, I agree with you. Like, uh, you know, with age does come wisdom for sure. But what I know now, which is easy for you and I to say, oh, you know, I wish I would have done differently if I were your age. And I wish
2: I would have done it. I wish I would have.
1: I wish I would have. But what we know now is that when we come against those challenges, whatever they are, I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a whole string of them. We somehow just figure things out. So you're not going to have all the answers. It's it to your point to kind of think through some of the some scenarios that we can possibly think of
2: Mm -hmm. um,
1: to kind of you know set them up as much.
2: I'd rather have the have it in place or have done the due diligence.
1: Yeah, so if, I think it should be the due diligence, but I always tell people I'm like to hire a
2: manager. I yeah, know who You
1: figure it out. I always think people I'm like you, you know, hiring out.
2: putting that stuff in place and panic mode is difficult. So that's why I'm like at least know who you would turn to if you decided to turn to that professional because if something happens in your life it could be anything it could be a career opportunity you know it could be the loved one that gets ill you have to take care of and now you can't handle this it's better to have done the due diligence at the very least i think and then have then you can just make that call you know now you're not backtracking now you're not interviewing managers you know reviewing management agreements and stuff you have it ready to pull the trigger so you know this is um, anybody who can buy a house can ha- hack a house, but to be a really into hackery, <laughs> hackery takes it, it takes uh, definitely due diligence um, and some preparation, and it's it, it, you know I, I think that's where professionals like ourselves come into play because we either have our own good or bad experiences or. You know we've seen it work out really well or not as well for clients and it's just things that only the streets can teach like i like to say <laughs> you know
1: That's um smart.
2: so if you do all ask yourself all these questions and do all this preparation like it can be good in any case but it can be really really great i mean like just incredibly powerful um tool uh you know to have to be a serial house hacker is house hackery i think (laughs) to do it well and as smoothly as possible
1: i think that that's awesome (laughs) yeah because i don't think that i um i don't think i get i I think it's awesome that you work with these clients or i'm sure it's a few and far between have that really that long-term plan to work on that next level of hackery of going, I'm going to move every other year. I'm not going to buy real furniture. I'm just going to buy some blow up furniture yeah. and my blow up <laughs> are going to deflate and we're going to move on like every, other, you know, to really kind of build it. And yeah. within like a matter of six years, you can, you know, even less, way less technically, but really? yeah. you, can have, you totally set yourself up. Completely set yourself up, and then you know.
2: Yeah, especially if you're willing to do it you know, like I
1: said,
2: a, a 203k. Um,
1: so yeah, you brought up the 203k. I think it's a cool product. People kind of like the idea, but I have almost no one ever uses it.
0: Give us a quick overview of that, Alicia, for the for the listeners.
1: Um, well, okay, so a construction
2: loan. It means that you you go and borrow money from the bank, obviously for construction, and then typically it has to be refinanced, which is you know even refinancing costs money. Um, obviously, anybody knows that the advantage to taking on a renovation in general is that um, you're going to have equity. Otherwise, if if you don't put yourself in a position to where you're going to have equity, so in other words, if if the same property would have cost you three hundred thousand, you're all in for you know maybe two hundred and twenty, two hundred twenty-five. So you have a comfortable equity position um, in that home. A 203k loan is FHA's sort of version of uh, a construction loan. And what's nice about it is it converts uh, to a permanent interest rate. So higher risk while under construction, the bank will charge higher interest rates. But instead of having to refinance, reclose, it converts to a a rate um, at the end of it um you you can't um it's not a sweat equity thing uh that's something we can come back to in a minute but um how how sweat equity can work where you put your own skills and you know back into it which there are house hackers who are weekend warriors and enjoy that um but because you have to hire an approved contractor and it's all uh, you know up on the up and up um but it you, you get an equity position, it saves expenses on refinance, it's still low down payment. So that's what's so great about it. Um, it's a great way to start if somebody has a stomach it. <laughs> if not, that's what I mean about understanding the financial tools. You can only have one FHA loan at a time. So if you think by the second one, you're going to need a 203k loan, that means you should use a conventional loan program for your first house hack so that you, it, you're enabled to use the 203k loan for your second. This is why good relationships with the right realtor and the right loan officer are so yeah. important. A banker who will take the time to strategize with you and collaborate with your realtor and enable your, your goals and help, help you determine what they are by asking you questions, like help you articulate them and map them out. Um, Sweat equity is another option, but all that means is, um, you know, you're buying a property that's livable, but has a lot of opportunities to add value. So we call it added value opportunity. For example, the perfect place to put the second bathroom, a basement that could be finished, a kitchen that could be upgraded um, as a project. Um, This is the situation with the the gentleman, the young man that I just sold a four unit to. Um, it, it, it was the perfect scenario for added value. It's a, a mid-century building. Um, if you're in a market where um, the housing stock is old, like we are in St. Louis, um, mid-century building is a great find because there's a poured basement, as you guys know, instead of a stone basement. There's a lot more you can do with the basement, and a lot less, uh, a lot fewer problems potentially with a poured basement and with moisture, et cetera. So, um, in any case, it had the same landlord since the 80s. And we're all, okay, boomer, let's not raise our rents. (laughs) Uh, Same rents. One of the tenants has been there since 1993, for goodness sake. (laughs) So, he's going to move into the worst-looking unit, which is the smart way to go. One of them had a small fire and was redone. And the other three are in various stages of uh, outdatedness or Havoc, not on a, not in the systems way, but in, uh, cosmetically um, original kitchen, that kind of thing. So he's going to, he's going to move into the worst looking unit and improve it as he lives there. And once it's improved, rent it at a higher rate and then move to the next. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's the way to do it. So he's not borrowing money to improve the property per se. Um, he's He's going to put, you know, his uh, back into it but he had he had to move in within 60 days it was fully occupied so people you know they think when they shop they cannot buy a fully occupied building you can but at least one of the leases has to be on a month a month so he had to shortly after purchasing give a 30-day notice um, so that was the extent of the requirement. Um, so, how do
1: you choose who you're kicking out? Because I get that question. How do I choose?
2: The worst unit was also the slowest, the slow payer. So, the guy pays, but he's the slow payer. So, it was kind of like a double whammy. So, okay. that's what he's giving. Yeah, but it's. What does slow know, payer
0: mean? He pays late?
2: He always consistently pays late. He pays, but he pays late consistently <laughs> so,
0: just a headache
1: yeah and so again at least it's so you come again because that's the, one of those things too where you come and you find a building that's been kept up system wise maybe not cosmetically which to me i'm like that's your dream
2: that's the dream um
1: yeah. uh so but it's fully occupied uh in in this case four units yeah now one so we pick the slow pair what do you do with the other the other tenants that have been there forever and pay $200 in rent. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, the market rate is, you know, 800 or something. Well, I don't think he's going to want to mass exodus.
2: I don't think he's going to want to mass exodus. I think what he's going to do is once he's improved the unit he lives in, then he's going to give notice to the next. (laughs) And rinse and repeat, you know, in his case.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, so do you ever tell them that they, to give them the option, like, here's your market rate, here's market rate, sorry, it, you know, it's a $600 difference, but it's that, or...
2: Yeah, I mean, I do think that he will give them the option to up their Why rate. Why not? Yeah, So what we've yeah, I mean, in a current condition. I mean, he can't,
1: can
0: get,
2: qualify, yeah. he can't get, like, yeah. the full market rate, I mean we're talking about their... 50 cents on the dollar for what it would be after being modernized but he could definitely justify uh, uh, some kind of increase you know some kind of uh, prorated increase um yeah i mean it's tough that's why i thought he should hire a manager i think it's going to be very uncomfortable you know awkward
0: <laughs>
1: We yeah, have a tenant so where that we. This perfect uh, scenario for that property manager, though. Put you know, hire the bad guy. You're like, yeah, yeah. That,
2: but you know, yeah. I checked in with him, and he said it was going well. I I don't have the full the full skinny yet, but yeah, he said it was going well. Um, I think that we um, the the other piece of this is just because you're doing your serial house hacker doesn't mean you can't also buy investment property at the same time. So, you know, when I talk to an investor, um, whether they're house hacking or not, besides having them understand what conventional lending options are in terms of Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, what that means, it means 30-year fixed, it means lower rate, you know, et cetera. I also want them to understand what, the, what commercial lending is. That means lo- lending to an LLC and i want them to understand that what portfolio lending is that means a a local financial institution has loan programs that they hold in-house instead of selling to fannie or freddie and um they're but they're typically two three five seven year fixed rates and they're on uh, adjustable rate mortgages or and or balloons terms so you have to know you have to know that you're either going to sell that property or be able to refinance that property in that time frame. So at the same time, especially when people start really young, we talk about all the different tools and the tracks that they can get on. So I'm like, just because you're owner-occupying doesn't mean you shouldn't create an LLC, create a bank uh, uh, account for that LLC, start to build credit in the EIN for that LLC so that you can develop a fourth option, which is a business line of credit. Because now you're going to have way more opportunities and options. For example, you could buy a four-unit that needs added value, and you could use that business line of credit to to lend to yourself the improvements needed for that uh, for the added value projects. Raise the equity, refinance it with a Fannie or Freddie product, you know, and then move forward. It just gives you all the options because you know especially once you if you're really into it and you get that bug and now you're learning your market, you've chosen a realtor um, not unlike the, the three that you see here <laughs> who knows a market knows your market really well, can give you intelligent uh, rent guesstimates before and after can advise you on what improvements will give you the most bang for your buck, etc you, you're going to probably, be recognizing other opportunities and want to be in a position to take advantage of them, regardless of the fact that you're not going to be techy. So it makes a lot of sense at the you know from the beginning if you start setting yourself up for all the different lending options uh, to be at your disposal.
0: Love it.
2: You know, um, a fifth if you want to, um, which is a whole other conversation. Um, is, uh, you know, some whole life policies uh, where you can lend to yourself off of uh, a policy that you funded, which is going to be super, way more cheap and lots of more options when you start in your 20s, you know, than when you're less, a woman of a certain age. Let's say. <laughs> so you're going to have a lot of those options um, at your disposal if you start, early it doesn't it doesn't have to be it's a long game you know just because you you start now it, it could be three years before you're eligible for that hundred thousand dollar line of credit but you can't you you're going to look back trust me you're going to look back and go dang it why <laughs> why didn't i start thinking about that you know so once you get that house hack and you, you move in and you're settled i'd, I'd start building those bank relationships and building that business credit and looking into that whole life policy because it can be two track. You can use your 10 loans or any, no, any number of them as an owner, occupant might not be all 10. You know, you could be a confirmed bachelor today and a married guy with a kid of six years. You don't know. That's the thing when we're older, we know that you don't know, you know, it's all
0: a married guy so with a kid did. whose you wife have... doesn't want to move that much.
2: Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I know your house hackery game has been curtailed,
1: Adam. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, you got
1: do you have a, anyone that a uses lock? their 401k? <laughs> what's that? Do you have anyone that um, uses,
2: like, I mean, we, I have. I um, like, have.
1: 401k, like, uh, yeah. takes a loan out.
2: I have, um, not for house hacking, I have a client who actually is taking advantage of the COVID uh, 401k loan.
1: Ah, oh, yeah, really already? Man. Yeah, he just jumped on that. And he's
2: going to start portfolio building. So instead of taking a penalty, withdrawing his 401k, <laughs> um, he has taken advantage of the COVID law that has um, better terms, better tax terms. I don't. I'm not a you know, and, and happens, right? But um, I think that does that's a good uh, that's a good way to to introduce the the whole COVID topic. I mean, I, we would be, uh, you know, the the viral elephant in the room, <laughs> if you will. Um, that you know, there's obviously a lot of talk about market opportunities right now, just in general. But um, that is a tool. I don't know how long it's going to be at at the disposal of 401k account holders, but it's definitely seems like it's worth asking your tech accountant or financial planner about it. Um, you know, about using those, uh, those funds, uh, to help you advance your investing goals. And, um, on the lending side, the FHA lending in general is, is tightened. So, um, you know, those com- the commercial lenders have come to a, overall a screeching halt. Um, it's, it's They're either not lending at all or they went from we'll do um, 90% of your rehab or 80% of your turnkey purchase to we'll do 60%. Oh, so
1: really? Yeah, love- that's,
2: oh. that's really, um, I'm sure it'll come back, but that's kind of like on hold. But again, it doesn't mean you shouldn't, talk to a commercial uh, broker, lending broker, yeah. to find out what needs to be in place so you're ready when it does open back up. Um and then on the FHA front, we we know that um it had opened up to uh as low with other criteria in place as low as a 580 score and now um I know they won't go under 620. So, um you know, if if you know it's it's limited and i'm sure probably if you're in a two or four unit there might be even more you know uh guidelines that you have to follow but information is power so it's better to even if you're just thinking about it and it feels like a pipe dream it's better to to know what's up right right now and start moving down that that path and start educating yourself but um as much as well, you know, without getting yourself into a, a, you know, analysis paralysis state, um, as great as YouTube is and blogs are, um, again, there's things only the streets can teach. So I would definitely start if someone's thinking house hacking, I, you know, I want to get into house hackery. I think that it's, it's good to start reaching out and having conversations with, um, your pr- professionals. And building that team because anybody who is a, a real professional, you know, career realtor, loan officer, banker will be willing to give you, you know, a consultation call by yeah. courtesy, will be willing to correspond with you and answer your questions. Um, On that
0: and- note, do you mind telling the people how they can get a hold of you?
2: Sure. Um, You you were kind enough to put my um, Twitter handle at standup agent. Um, That's a good way to reach me. Um, My uh, email is really long. Thanks to you. (laughs) So we'll go with my, uh, my phone number, 314-325-9565. You can text me or DM me and uh, you can find me on Facebook, just my name on Facebook. Um, the catfish photo, the black and white catfish. photo. <laughs> like, is that her? Yeah, it's me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you can DM and uh, I'll respond, send you, um, uh, send me an email and stuff like that. Or if you want to get on the list, the list here, let me give Ooh, you that.
1: How do I get on the
2: list? It's on my profile on Twitter too. Uh text flow to 314-310-4199 that's 314-310-4199 the words cash flow and uh, we'll get you up on the list so I can run but I can't hide
0: I love it now do you mind if I ask you the five questions we like to ask all of our guests oh
2: geez I wasn't warned okay (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay, so it's a chance for people to get to know you—the real, you know, the personal you side of you, or whatever. Uh, who lives under your roof?
2: Uh, I have a husband and three teenagers. And and two. You dogs. have a new
0: dog or something? A uh, two dogs?
2: I have two dogs. Yes, the OG, the Chihuahua.
0: And, oh yeah, okay.
2: And the uh, the new gangster. The, okay, um, I don't
0: know where. <laughs> where are you your best? Where
2: you mean, where am I located when I'm at my best?
0: No, like you can answer it however you want. Where are you your best? Like, what aspect of your life, whatever?
2: Um, I think I would say as a mom because I call oh. myself a, a, a cementer, a combination, not too much, too smothery, but I'm definitely noticing and involved and I like to have a mentoring approach to raising my like teenagers
0: just a side comment about that following you on twitter you do sometimes make posts or is it on facebook you make posts about kind of mom related stuff mm-hmm. and you know knowing your kids especially knowing I guess your oldest one I I have to say that you've done an amazing job as a cementor. A mentor, <laughs> and it's really interesting to see the kind of things that you're teaching your kids and the and the different perspectives that you take on the world and employment that. and money and all that kind of stuff, you know. So, well,
2: you know, I, I'm not trying to change who they are. I'm just trying to help them be the best.
0: Teaching them like really interesting stuff.
2: Version with space to house their mother in a couple decades. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a couple decades, okay.
2: I'll take a um, house or a walkout basement. Just saying.
0: <laughs> what I'll is your favorite blog or podcast?
2: My favorite blog or podcast. Um
0: it's kind of like where do you like to get your information basically?
2: Well uh, non why do I forget this guy's name? Non uh Tom u non real estate related. Has Tom long- Dileu? B bill B I L Y E U.
0: Okay.
2: He has an amazing podcast. I I I'm Low tech, so I'm on YouTube with these.
0: <laughs> Love it. Okay, two more questions, Alicia, and then we'll let you go. I know you got some hackery to handle today. Um, what is your guilty pleasure?
2: Oh, reality shows. I'm Ooh. bad. A couple Any good little, ones? Um, Because if I'm having a really bad day and I feel like I don't have my shit together, then I can watch 90 Day Fiance. Or if I feel like I haven't done the greatest as a mom, I'm like, for Summer House, I'll be like, my child would never behave like this. (laughs) You
0: watch Summer House? I can't believe it. I like Summer House.
2: A couple of the real housewives. um, And this is my insomnia work in uh, Vanderpump Rules. (laughs) Talk about, you know, watery.
0: Yeah. All right. Lastly, who is your mentor and how have you thanked them?
2: Who is my mentor? You know, it's funny you should say that because I don't know that. Well, I really had a mentor in the in the probably the sense that you mean, and I think it's so important to have one. And that's one of the things I'm helping, uh, especially Leo, my oldest, who's going to school. I'm I'm like, we need to find your mentor, the person who's where you want to be. But um, I would say I learned the most from my, uh, dad may he rest in peace as far as like really setting an example for generosity, work ethic, um, curiosity, if there's importance of education and, uh, being a reliable family man and, uh, uh a real rock for the people around him. So,
0: Did you have a chance friend? to thank him?
2: I did, actually. Yes, I did, um, uh, especially in the last uh, couple of days of his life. Yeah, I was there. Wonderful. With him. Yeah, I did. He did good, and I let him know he did good.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. Any last minute questions, Shannon, you want to ask Alicia or Alicia anything you want to say before we wrap it up?
1: No, uh, thank you so much for your time. This is an awesome subject. Thanks. And I, can't, I just realized that I cussed on
2: your, I'm glad you're not subject to. FCC that's all right
0: <laughs> that's all right i like it
1: you cussed i didn't even catch that i said the s-h-i-t word <laughs> oh see that's in my normal every day mm-hmm. like i don't yeah, even that know that doesn't the count word anymore i
2: know i mean yeah this investor world is not for the faint of heart
0: <laughs> all right everybody i appreciate you guys very much thanks for watching Thank thanks, thanks for, for being here me. and we'll see you all in the next podcast take all care
1: right. well,